You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Well, welcome on in, everyone, to the Bonefire Podcast. We are glad that you are joining again this week uh, for um, Blessed Assurance. This is, Dad, uh, just another episode of Blessed Assurance. We've been in this podcast series now. This is week seven mm-hmm. uh, that we've been going through this, and um, we're going to be going uh, through First John for a little bit longer. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about First John uh, 3, verses 11 through 18. And uh, we've got a lot of good stuff to cover for our listeners today. And and again, I just want to uh, keep telling everyone how much we appreciate you uh, taking the time to listen, taking the time to download. And we really encourage you, if you would, please spread the word about the Bonfire Podcast to your friends. If you're listening on Facebook, you can do that through hitting the share button. If you're listening through one of the podcast uh, apps, uh, you can do that through commenting and rating us. Um, it, it sounds kind of odd, but that's the way that you get the word out. The more ratings and the more comments that you have, the higher that you appear in church histories. Um, and so that gets us uh, out there more and more. And so we uh, hope that you will take some time to do that and help us uh, spread the Bonefire podcast further along. Um, well, today, as I said, we're going to be in First John uh, chapter 3, verses 11 through 18. And mm-hmm. Um, you know, first John, I heard described that as uh, kind of like a spiral staircase because, mm-hmm. you know, John likes to kind of revisit topics, um, as he goes through the writing of, of this epistle. Right. Um, but each time, uh, he approaches it from a slightly different direction and, uh, with great skill, he gives you a, a new perspective on, on each time that he touches on something. And that's exactly what we see with, uh, today's scripture and, you know, for today, I figured I'm not going to read through it all, and we'll just kind of take it in the chunks as we go. Mm-hmm. Um, we we kind of flip that around every every other week to see how how this uh, passage fits us best. But that's what we're going to be doing today, and the topic that we're going to be covering today is um, loving our brother, right? Right, yeah. and we've seen that already now a couple times um, up here uh, in First John, and, and we're coming back again to it today to look at that in a in a little bit more uh, detail. And so, um, our first verse that we have here, uh, starting us off in verse eleven, it says, "For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, uh, that we should love one another." So. Um, that's very familiar phrasing, right? We saw that mm-hmm. used by John um, in a couple episodes ago. John urges his readers um, to reflect on the fundamental teachings that they've heard from the beginning, and that is to love one another. And, you know, Dad, when Jesus was uh, on the earth during his earthly ministry, that was one of his main things, uh, right? right. He, he told people mm-hmm. you need to love God and you need to love each other. Right. You know, going back to chapter 2, when we talked about the love of the brethren, we were told that loving the brethren is a matter of light and darkness. Well, in our section that we're going to talk about today, we're told that loving the brethren is a matter of life and death. I mean, skipping down to verse 14, it says, He who does not love his brother abideth in death. So what we're talking about is something very serious today about loving one another. Yeah, it's a, it's a life or death issue. And, you know, as it is with so many things, sometimes it's easier to explain what something is not versus what it is. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so John kind of employs that tactic um, in this section of his epistle, and he begins to, to talk about um, what love, Christian love, should look like, or rather right. what it should not look like. Right. And um, as I was studying this, Dad, I saw kind of uh, three things that really stood out to me that, that John was sharing. There was three attributes uh, that would not characterize Christian love, mm-hmm. and that was uh, murder, 
right. hatred, and indifference. Mm-hmm. And John had something to say about each one of those three. Um, and so we're going to walk through those today, and 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 hopefully um, this will be of a, a use to our listeners, and they'll find it to be a blessing to their heart mm-hmm. as it has uh, been to mine as I was studying through it. So if we look at murder, uh, that, that first topic or that first attribute that John touches on, and we see that in, in 1 John um, chapter 3, and that starts uh, in verse 12 there. And I'll read this to you. It says, Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his work was evil, and his brother was righteous. Mm-hmm. Now, in this passage, John references the first murder in history. Right, mm-hmm. is the first recorded uh, one that we have, and many of you are probably very familiar with the story. But I'd like for us just to kind of go back and recap it at a high level. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have Cain and Abel, and Cain and Abel were the sons of Adam and Eve. Right, you know the first uh, humans that were were on the earth. And Cain, he was the we'll call him the kind of farmer type. Uh, mm-hmm. He was a gardener. He grew. Uh, things on the land, mm-hmm. and Abel he was a herdsman or a shepherd, right? And so his his role was working with with animals. Uh, that that's where he spent most of his time. And you know it came to pass that at at one time both young men brought sacrifices to the Lord, uh-huh. and uh, Cain brought an offering of fruit, mm-hmm. and Abel brought an offering uh, that was the firstborn of his flock and um, of their fat. And so ultimately what happened is God accepted Abel's offering and he rejected Cain's offering. That's right. Well, when I think about that, Abel, he honored God in the way he presented his offering to God. God had already taught Adam and Eve that the way to approach him was by the way of a blood sacrifice. I think perhaps uh, all of you out there in our podcast audience, you remember the story of Adam and Eve and after their sin— After they sinned, they realized they were naked, and so they tried to cover themselves with leaves they had sewn together. Well, when God came down in the cool of the evening, he had two animals sacrificed, and he took the skins from those animals and covered his earth children. And by the way of doing that, he was teaching his children that are now sinners that the way to approach him was by the substitute of another, by the sacrifice, the blood sacrifice of another. And of course, all that was leading up and pointing to Jesus who would come and offer up himself as the supreme sacrifice for our sins. And so Abel obviously had learned from his parents Uh, and from God, that the way to approach God was through the offering of another, a blood sacrifice. Cain, however, offered the works of his hands. There are a lot of people today that try to reach heaven and try to get to God by their own works. And the Bible tells us that we're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace through faith. It is faith in what Jesus did for us. And of course, Uh, Abel, he approached God the right way, and Cain did not. Cain is typical of the people that try to make their own religion. Well, anyway, to going back to what you said, Matt, God did not accept Abel's, well, he did not accept Cain's sacrifice, but accept Abel's, and that brought about jealousy in Cain in regard to Abel. It it sure did, and you know, there's one thing that you talked about there that I want to touch on. You said uh, it was an act of faith that that Abel had, and, Mm -hmm. and we actually see Abel appears again in the New Testament, and if you go over to Hebrews chapter 11, which uh, the chapter 11, that's what we refer to as the hall of faith, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's a list of very uh, faithful people from the Old Testament that um, the writer of Hebrews uh, puts 
in there as examples. And the first one you come to is Abel. Yeah. Now, it, it seems kind of weird because we don't really know a whole lot about Abel. I mean, there's no recorded words that Abel spoke in Genesis. We mm-hmm. just know this, basically this story that was provided here. But Hebrews 11 verse 4 says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Mm-hmm. And so, again, it was a faithful act. Um, I think if you just read the these verses in First John and you don't take the context of understanding of these two young men, they knew what the appropriate way to approach God was. They right. knew the appropriate way to worship. So it wasn't that Cain just didn't know. Yeah. Right? Uh, Cain knew that, that what the requirement was to approach God uh, because obviously Adam and Eve had shared that with him as, as you kind of laid out there. Mm-hmm. But Cain offered a gift that was not uh, from a heart of devotion to God. You know, mm-hmm. he, he gave something that was less than his best right. um, that he could offer. Um, and because of that, as you said, God ultimately rejected um, his sacrifice. And you also mentioned that that led to some jealousy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so not only je- jealousy, um, Cain just got sh- straight out angry, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, he, he got mad. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is if you look in Genesis, we see that the Lord actually confronted Cain. Mm-hmm. And he, he he spoke to him and he said, you know, Cain, wh- what's going on with this anger? This, this anger is not good for you. And he gave him an invitation to make it right. Right. And what did Cain do? He, he rejected that That's as well. That's right. And so he rejected God's offer or his invitation to, to make it right. And ultimately, as the story goes on, one day in the field, Cain rose up against Abel and he killed him. Mm-hmm. And John tells us, you know, here that Christian love is not murder. You can't mm-hmm. characterize Christian love with murder. That's kind of as you talked about that difference between light and dark, mm-hmm. uh, life and death. Uh, John likes to contrast things, and and you can't get a further contrast than Christian love and murder. Those are on two opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I want to point out, uh, Matt, going back to verse ten, it says, "In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest." Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor he who does not love his brother. Yes, Cain and Abel, they had the same earth parents, but they had different actions and attitudes. Cain's action proved that he was a child of the devil, whereas Abel's action proved that he was a child of God. There are two different families in this world. They're children of the devil and they're children of God. And here we see in the same family, they're one of each. That's right. That, that, that verse 10 was when we covered uh, just last week, we talked about the differences there between the child of God and, and, the, and the child of the devil. So again, John tells us that the Christian, uh, Christian love is not characterized or cannot be characterized by murder. Next, we see John talks about uh, kind of another attribute, and that's hatred and um, how it actually kind of relates back to murder in, in some ways. And so I'll read uh, for us First uh, John three thirteen through 15. It says, Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brethren abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And so, Dad, I think it's very clear, um, and it's probably more clear now than it's ever been, that that we live in a world of hate. Oh, absolutely. Right? Um, I just was jotting some things down here that I, that I read, and then I thought about myself. Uh, there is a hatred between nations, right? Mm-hmm. There's always one nation that's against another nation. 
Um, I think about all the nations that are against Israel. Right. I think about all the nations that are against us. Oh, uh, yeah. That, that would like to see us removed from where we are. Jealous of the United States. Jealous of, of the United States. Mm-hmm. You're right. Uh, there's hatred between religious groups, mm-hmm. right? I, I just think about uh, uh, the, the Islam and, and, and Muslims, that, that they hate Christians, mm-hmm. and, and they will purposely try to, to kill and murder Christians uh, because of the difference in our religious beliefs between the two. Mm-hmm. There's hatred in the business world, and, and that one may be a little bit harder to see, but uh, you know, competition is fun and competition is good, but sometimes competition goes too far. Right. And many times in business world, it, it doesn't become just healthy competition of trying to be the best company that you can be or, or, or be the, the best uh, provider of this service or the best provider of this good, um, and it becomes into a hatred of you hate your competitor. They say dog-eat-dog world. Dog-eat-dog world. You do anything to see your Mm -hmm. competitor fall and to stumble, and and when when they do, you just glory in that. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's hatred in the business world. And uh, I don't know, you may disagree, Dad, but I I think there's some hatred in politics. What do you think? Oh, yeah, certainly. (laughs) So there's hatred between the left and the right. There's hatred between conservative and liberal. There's hatred between uh, democracy and socialism. Um, You know, no longer in this country can we just have disagreements. Mm -hmm. Um, It's turned out to downright hate between the two spectrums that we see there. Even in the political campaigns, (laughs) it doesn't look like they love each other when they're up there sparring against each other. They hate each other. It it doesn't. Yeah, that, that hatred just plays out right in front of us. And then there's hatred between races and mm-hmm. nationalities. So we've got right now hatred between uh, white and black. We've got hatred between um, you know different nationalities and and just because of someone where someone's from, uh, th- there's hatred that exists there. And 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 then lastly, there's hatred between individuals. You know how many times do you hear just throughout your your normal week, you may hear someone say, "I really hate that person. Mm-hmm. I can't stand them." Mm-hmm. You know, um, we live. In a, in a world, in a hateful world, really, that's full of hate. That's right. And we shouldn't be surprised that people hate us because Jesus said, hey, they hated me too, you know, and if they, they hate the master, they're going to hate the servant. So we shouldn't be surprised at that at all. Yeah, in verse 13 there, John says, don't be surprised if they hate us. As you said, they hated Jesus, and he didn't do anything wrong. No. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they just hated him, and because they hated him, they put him to death. But, you know, I want our listeners to, to look closely at what um, John is, is sliding right here in the middle of this kind of passage on hate hatred. And we can see that here in verse 14. Mm-hmm. It says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Now, mm-hmm. um, right there, he uses the term, we know that we have pass- passed from death to life. Now, uh, we call this podcast series Blessed Assurance, and I see Blessed Assurance right there mm-hmm. in that statement, um, because we love uh, our brethren. Did you did you catch what he's saying there? It's one of the ways that we can know uh, that we are a Christian. One of the ways that you know, I know that I have made that transfer from the land of death into the land of life is the presence of love in my heart, mm-hmm. you know? Right. You know, we talked a, a week or so ago about how a Christian does not practice sin. It's not that we can't sin, but we don't make it a habit and a practice in our life. Well, here's another telltale sign uh, as to whether or not you're a child of God. If you're a child of God, you're truly going to love other people. And, you know, as a child of God, not only will you love your brethren, but you'll love your enemies too because Jesus taught us to do that. And it's only through Christ can we love those that don't love us. Anybody can love people that love them. It takes the love of Jesus in our heart to love people that doesn't love us.
That's right. And then in the back end of, of verse 14 there, it says, he who does not love his brother abides in death. And that's what you picked up on um, just when we were starting the podcast there mm-hmm. is um, abides in death. I mean, that's a pretty strong statement. Uh, John likes, as we said, to contrast. We've seen the, the difference between light and dark and good and evil. And mm-hmm. uh, now we see him talking about love versus hate. And then he, he takes that and he contrasts it even further and says that, uh, the difference between love and hate is the difference between life and death. Mm-hmm. And those who uh, have hatred in their heart ultimately abide in death, and, and the love of God is not in them. Right. In, uh, in verse 15, he takes the discussion of hatred further by warning of the perils of hate uh, in the heart. And I want to just look here closely at verse 15. It says, whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Mm-hmm. You know, John just flat out says that those who hate their brothers are murderers. That's right. Again, uh, John has all these kind of uh, bumper sticker type statements that he puts in there. Just these, he, he lays it out like it is uh, so many times. And this is one of those where he says, you're a murderer if you hate your brother. Yeah. You know, do you follow, um, again, what John is saying here? He warns us that hate in our heart is the beginning of murder. Yeah. Over in Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, Jesus said, for out of the heart, proceed evil thoughts, and then he says murders. And do you see what Jesus is saying? He is saying that the first step toward murder is to allow hatred to be down in your heart. In fact, do you know the only difference between hate and murder? The only difference is the outward act. The inward intention and attitude are exactly the same. Of course, we know it is worse for a person to murder someone than to have hatred in their heart. But now, John isn't saying that those two acts are the same. What he is saying is that hatred in your heart is the moral equivalent of murder. Yeah, that's exactly right. And if we allow hatred to stay in our heart um, and we kind of nurture it or we let that fester and just kind of grow, then one of these days there is the potential for murder to occur. Right. I mean, it, it, that's that's the, the possibility or the potential that's out there. And so, you know, listeners, I just ask you to, to, to think about there for, for just a minute. Is there any hatred in your heart today? Mm-hmm. Um, if so, it may be an indication that you have never been born of the Spirit of God. Right. Because John tells us very clearly that Christian love is not hate. Mm-hmm. And you can't characterize Christian love by hate. Mm-hmm. You know, Dad, the the uh, third kind of attribute or characteristic um, that I see John contrasting here is is that of indifference, and that's found in First John uh, three sixteen through uh, eighteen. And and I'll read that to our our listeners here. It says, "By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren." Mm -hmm. But whoever has this world's good and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Mm -hmm. And then verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Mm -hmm. And so uh, today, Dad, in the study that we've been looking at, John gives us two examples, right? Mm -hmm. The first example that we were given was an example of Cain. Right. And uh, basically John's direction there is don't go the way of Cain. That's uh, an example that we should not follow. Right. The second example that John gives us here is the example of of Jesus Christ himself. Mm -hmm. And uh, he tells us that is an example that we need to follow. Basically, John says, do you want to know how 
to love, then you should love like Christ. That's mm-hmm. that's what he's saying. There are two important things that I that I see that stood out to me that we can gather from the example of Christ. And if we look closely there at, at sixteen, we see them. And, and the first one it says, uh, "By this we know love, because He laid down His life." And that He that He's referring to, of course, is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And it says that He laid down His life. You know. There's folks that like to talk about, well, they killed Jesus, they murdered Jesus, or Jesus was a martyr, but Jesus was not murdered. Mm -hmm. Um, He wasn't a martyr when he was on the cross. Uh, No, Jesus was in complete control. And at any moment in time, the Bible says he could have called 10,000 angels to his side, and he could have completely annihilated this entire world and everyone around him Mm -hmm. and saved himself from the cross. His death was absolutely voluntary. Voluntary, that's right. They did not take his life for him because he is life. Right. Uh, He is the author of life. He is the creator of life. Uh, he's the one that spoke a dead man's grave, um, name, and he came hopping out the grave, still in right. his grave clothes, right? He right. said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus just came bouncing on out of that grave with his grave clothes still on. No, they didn't kill my Jesus. He gave his life. Yeah. He sacrificed his life. John ten eighteen. Jesus said, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. That's right. He laid it down. And so the example of Christ we see, as you said, Dad, is it's a voluntary act. Mm-hmm. He did it all voluntarily. It was all on him. It was his his will that that uh, at his will that he that he completed God's will right uh, for us. And the second truth that we see here or that I that I noticed is is really the why behind what he did. And so if we look at the last part of that first verse, it says he laid down his life for who? Who does it say? For there? us. For us. That's right. right. He laid it down for us. Jesus laid down his life for us. That's you, that's me, that's the whole world throughout all of time. So what then should our love look like? John says that we should love like Christ, and Christ loved through a voluntary, selfless acts of sacrifice. Right. You know where we read that preposition, the preposition means in the place of us, instead of, uh, and the implication is quite clear. The death of Jesus was vicarious and substitutionary. He actually took our place and died the death that we should die. He died instead of us. When I think about substitute, we have upward basketball at our church. It is just a big basketball league. It's a Christian basketball league. And kids from all over the community in this upstate area come and play here. Well, if we've got 10 kids on a team and only five are out there on the court representing their team at a time, then that means five others are sitting on the bench. Those five sitting on the bench are substitutes for those that are out on the court playing. But if at some point one of those players that are on the court representing their team gets winded or falls and gets hurt, that player can come over to the sideline and a substitute then checks in for that player and takes that player's place out on the court doing that player's job. That's why Jesus came from heaven to this earth to take our place, the sinner's place. He became man so that he could be a suitable sacrifice. He took our place and took the punishment that we deserve for sin that we might not have to be punished. His death was not only voluntary, it was vicarious. That's right. And so voluntary act of selfless sacrifice that that Jesus made. And so John tells us that we uh, two are to lay down our lives for the brother, meaning that Christian love propels Christians to love others and to be willing to give themselves in costly ways. Mm-hmm. That's through voluntary, selfless, sacrificial acts of love, just as Christ loved. 
Mm-hmm. You know, each day, Dad, I feel like uh, when God gives us our first breath, uh, we are to give him thanks and praise uh, for all the, the blessings that we have in our life. And then the very next thing that we should do is to begin seeking how we might serve others that very day. Mm-hmm. And we need to serve them just the way uh, that, that Jesus did. We need to love like Jesus did every single day. And did you know when we serve other people, then we're in essence serving Jesus. Jesus said, inasmuch as you have done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it for me. So anytime you're out there helping, giving a helping hand to someone, lifting them up, encouraging them, doing something to help them with a need in their life, you know, God looks at it like you're doing it for him. That's exactly right. And, you know, this is not an activity of stacking up good works to get to heaven, Dad. That's right. We, we know that uh, there is only one way to heaven, and that's through uh, faith in Jesus Christ. Um, and so I like to say, you know, we're not living the way we're living because we want to get saved. It's because we are saved. And right. so these good works, they just kind of bubble forth from you because you've got that new life, that new spirit in you. And you want to go out and do uh, good things. And you want to love people the way Jesus loved because you've been loved that way. Right. We're not saved by works, but we're definitely saved by faith that works. When you truly have faith in Jesus, then he comes to live inside of you and, and uh, his nature is displayed through you. And you're going to be like Jesus. Jesus. He went around doing good, ministering, helping, healing. And uh, that's just going to be a a part of our nature now that we have Christ's nature in us. That's exactly right. But look at verse uh, 17. It says, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Mm -hmm. And so John contrasts here Uh, the heart of indifference with that of Christian love. Mm -hmm. You know, we as Christians, we can't look around us and see a world in need and do nothing about it. Right. Um, Those who do, John says that the love of God is not in them. Right. You know, I was reading an illustration the other day about a preacher that visited one of the Caribbean islands. There, the pastor of the church where he is preaching told him that he was trying to help evangelize some Haitian refugees on an adjoining island. Some of these destitute people had come to know Christ, and with the help from the outside, they'd cleared a piece of vacant land and built a humble little meeting place to worship God. The neighbors, however, were annoyed at the sight of those vagabonds who congregated, so to speak, in their backyard. They wanted needy people to be around because they would do the most menial and miserable task for starvation wages. But the employers expected the hirelings to keep out of sight and live in clapboard shacks. The sight of that humble meeting place near uh, to this one man's property aggravated him so much that he rented a tractor and demolished it. The pastor drove the visiting preacher around so he could see for himself the want and the poverty in which these Haitian people lived. They had no rights, illegal aliens liable to be deported at any time. Those among them who had a hen or two were considered rich. Here, the visiting preacher was comparatively rich and increased with goods. Uh, There... Uh, they were there. They were they were wretched and poor and miserable. These Haitian refugees, the church in which the visiting preacher was ministering was generous to its guests, but this one declined the money. No, the preacher said, "Give it to the poor Haitians. They need it a thousand times more than I do." We are to be touched to the heart by the needs all about us, and then give liberally when our heart is moved. 
That's exactly right. And, you know, Dad, um, kind of uh, as we begin to wrap up our, our session today talking about love, uh, one of my favorite verses in the passage is actually the one we're going to close in, and that's verse 18. Um, and verse 18 says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in the but in deed and in truth. And so, you know, I, I think it's real easy for us to, to talk, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we talk a lot about uh, loving uh, each other and loving our brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about witnessing and, 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 and ministering to people spiritually. Mm-hmm. We talk about inviting others to come and, and, and join us in worship and in our church. We talk about meeting the unmet needs of, of others around us, whether that's in our community or whether that's in our, our nation or whether that's internationally. Mm-hmm. But true love translates into action. You know, right. John encourages all of us not to just talk about love, but we actually need to do it. Right. Well, if you see your brother in need or even someone that's not a Christian in need, we can't turn away from that need. We have to do what we can to help to meet that need. If it's to put clothes on their back, if it's to go get them a sandwich from Burger King and bring it to them, you know, we've we've got to meet that need. That's what Jesus would do, and that's what he would have us do. That's exactly right. And so, again, we need to uh, not just talk about loving. We not need to just talk about um, uh, being uh, uh, loving to our brothers and helping those in need. We actually need to do it, and when we do it, we should do it just like Christ did. Mm-hmm. You know, Dad, I would uh, encourage uh, our listeners and, and even ourselves just to kind of search our hearts this week as we talk about the topic of, of hatred um, and, and murder and indifference and just to really test ourselves to see if there's any hatred in our heart toward anyone mm-hmm. um, because clearly John says that's not a characteristic of Christian love. Right. And if that's there, then we need to confess it and we need to get rid of it. Right. Um, same thing with indifference. If you're you're looking around and you see folks in need and you have the ability to help, uh, the Christian thing to do, what Jesus would do is is, is to help. Mm-hmm. And so we need to be helping uh, those around us who are less fortunate that need a helping hand uh, from us. So I would just encourage all of us just to take that moment and think about uh, those things and where we stand uh, today currently um, in, in our life. Just take that little inventory assessment of what's going on in, in our hearts today uh, so that we can hopefully be characterized by the true characteristics of Christian love. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes uh, people look back over the course of their life and they think about people that did things to hurt them along the way, and without realizing it, they allowed a root of bitterness to uh, get hold in their life. And if you don't deal with that bitterness that's in your heart towards someone that that harmed you, then it's going to lead to hate and then thoughts of murder. And as a child of God, you you can't have those thoughts in your heart and have the thoughts of loving God in your heart at the same time. Ask God to dig out that root of bitterness if you feel like there's a root of bitterness in your heart because it's going to lead to hatred. It's going to lead to thoughts of murder and and love other people. That That's the challenge that we give you today. Yes, love other people. Love uh, not, not just the, your brothers and sisters in Christ, but as we've talked about earlier, God calls us to even love our enemies. Mm-hmm. And so we got to love people even when uh, the people don't seem too lovable. Uh, right. That's what we're called to do. And so uh, just a great uh, word for all of us uh, today. I enjoy it, Dad. Thank you for yeah. doing this with me. And if you wouldn't mind, would you pray us out of here? Sure. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you, and we thank you, God, for loving us. Lord, I know that we are reaching out to many people in the podcast today that they're really uh, going through their life perhaps right now and listening to what we've had to talk about today through First John, assessing whether or not uh, there is 
uh, bitterness or hatred in their heart towards someone. If there is, God, I pray that you would help them to bring that to you and ask you, Lord, to dig it out of their heart and life and to replace those thoughts with thoughts of love to extend forgiveness, Lord, even if people have not asked for forgiveness, Lord, to pray for their forgiveness and and to extend forgiveness to them, Father. Because, Lord, a lot of people today, they live in the prison of, uh, of an unforgiving heart. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus loved us before we ever loved him. Lord, we thank you that you came to us when we weren't even looking to you and you spoke to us and convicted us of our sin and showed us of a better way and showed us how we could be forgiven of our sin through what Jesus did on the cross. He definitely has left us an example to emulate. Father in heaven, I pray today that if there are those that are listening to us today that have not received Jesus into their heart and accepted what he did on the cross as payment for their sin, that they would ask you to forgive them of their sin right now. And Lord, out of gratitude for what you did, turn away from their sin and ask Jesus to forgive them, help them to live for him and to come into their lives and change them from the inside out and replace hatred and bitterness with love for other people. God, I pray that people will make that confession of faith right now. And then Lord, I pray that we'd hear about it, that they let us know about the joy that came into their life when they invited Jesus in. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonfire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.